We have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What is up, Nuggets Nation? Man, is it a good time to be a Nuggets fan. I know I am happy right now. Nuggets are sitting comfortably in first place in the Western Conference. Yeah, it's been a good time to be a Nuggets fan. They have won their last six home games. Um, they've won. They've won a lot of games lately. Eight of their last nine games overall. That's been fun to watch. Tonight, they'll take on the Sacramento Kings in a back-to-back. They'll play the Kings tomorrow as well. And they just got done working Phoenix in overtime to get the win on Christmas Day. It has been a really good time to be a Nuggets fan. Like, cannot deny it, you guys. Have to be watching. You have to be engaged right now. You're watching some of the best basketball we could be watching of the season. Obviously, we hope that this carries over into uh, the postseason, more importantly than anything, the postseason, um, because that's when it really matters, right? But right now, comfortably in the one seed are your Denver Nuggets. The Pelicans are half a game back. The Grizzlies are a full game back. I think the Pelicans you're less scared of, right? Yes, they're a great team. Yes, they're coming together and having a great season, but they're young and inexperienced. They don't have a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of guys who have been there before. So that championship mentality kind of trickles off a little bit there. Right now, the Suns are, after losing to the Nuggets, now three games back out of first place and in fifth place, just barely above the Sacramento Kings. So... The Nuggets will have to head into Sacramento and be sharp tonight and not not think of the Kings as a name that is, <laughs> I think, uh, generally associated with losing, but also remember that they are just ranked just below the Suns, and it's a very close race in the West. The top nine teams... The, the top nine teams are only four games apart, so... The Jazz are in ninth place, and they are only four games back from the Denver Nuggets. So that is how good of a race we're talking about in the Western Conference. That is how important these games are because it's been competitive. It's been really fun to watch. Denver gets a win over Phoenix in overtime, like I mentioned. If you didn't already see the dunk, and you might not know which dunk I'm talking about because there were so many dunks. Oh my God, what a game to be at on Christmas Day. I'm so glad I was actually there in the arena. I think it's easy sometimes to co- kind of tell your boss, you know, oh, I don't want to go into the game. I'll cover from home today, especially since the COVID um, period where like it was normal to cover all games from home. But... I've gotten a lot of good luck on going to games on holidays. Father's Day at Coors Field, Nolan Arenado's cycle for hits for the cycle with a walk-off home run. 
So that was amazing. <laughs> and then this, I, I was also at the four overtime game, which wasn't on a holiday, but now this game on Christmas Day with the Nuggets was just phenomenal against Phoenix. Really good game from Phoenix, too. They definitely had that game a few times, had that game won. So it was really a lot of circumstance that came together. But if you want to see the Jamal Murray dunk that ties it up and takes it to overtime, that is on my Instagram. You can head over there at Vita Viva Diva. It's also on my TikTok, so which is the same under the exact same handle. And I'll be posting a lot more things on on both of those pages moving forward here. They also get a win against Portland, which was much more handed, you know, an easier win compared to the Phoenix win. Portland right now sits in eighth place, four games back from Denver. And then prior to the Portland win, they get a win against Memphis, which might have been the best win of the season. It was definitely, um, it was a close game too, but only really in the first half, and then the Nuggets just came out and dominated them in the second half. Memphis gives me, like, Denver vibes two years ago, where it was like, yeah, that team could definitely win. This team could be really great, but there's just maybe not enough experience there yet, or they need a couple more years. Um, But they're a very good team, and John Morant, stands still as one of my favorite players in the league to watch so that was a great win that the Nuggets got since the last time that we have talked they have uh had several home games and now head to Sacramento for that back-to-back they'll come back Friday for a game a home game against Miami just before the new year and then uh we will kick off the rest of that new year season Let's go over some of the crazy stats that are actually relevant for the Nuggets this week. Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food, not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Some ridiculous stats that the Nuggets are recording during this winning window. So they're 6-0 at home right now. They're 8 of their last 9. They had... um, Eight of their last nine at home. They lost once at home to Dallas. And when they out-rebound their opponent, they are 18-4. and four. At home, they're 11-3. and three. So out-rebounding their opponent really matters. Uh, they're 0-2 in overtime games this season. You don't want to take the Nuggets to a clutch situation. I uh, heard... On a couple of other podcasts, just the numbers when the Nuggets are in the clutch. Definitely check out Locked On Nuggets for some of those numbers or um, the Pickaxe and Roll with Ryan Blackburn. Both really good pods when you want to know more about the numbers and how those numbers directly reflect or um, kind of manifest in the game plan and the outcome of the game. 
0-2 in overtime games. That really speaks to how well the Nuggets play defensively in clutch and just Nikola Jokic. Like, he's a dog. He is... And Jamal Murray, right? Like, that was what made that Phoenix game so amazing was that you got contributions from everywhere. And by far, Aaron Gordon was the second best player, which is crazy because this isn't the first game. I was talking to Ryan Blackburn about this and um, Matt Moore about this before the game. Like, this is not the first first quarter. At the end of the first quarter of the Phoenix game, the only two point contributors from the Nuggets starters were Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. And this is not the first time I've seen that happen on a box score. It's easier to keep track of when you're live at games because you're getting one full page box and you kind of can see the difference as it evolves on, on the second page. When you're watching games from home, obviously you don't have those printed out boxes, but you can use the Denver Nuggets app is a really good one um, for breaking down quarter by quarter. The NBA, NBA.com backslash stats will also do that for you. The Nuggets are 19-6 and six when they have 25 or more assists in a game. So when they're passing the ball, making those extra passes, running the pick and roll, when they're playing together as a team and not in isolation, bones. <laughs> We'll get to Bones in a second, but when they're playing as a team and really looking for those assists, that's when they play their best basketball. And I'm just teasing Bones, but because he is a great, he throws some great passes, great assists too, but we definitely have to talk about his games. His last couple of games have been rough. He's in a, in a bit of a slump, Bones Highland. And when the Nuggets score over 120 points, they are 13-0 this season. That speaks to their offense and just how strong, how good of an offense they actually have as a team um, when they are all firing on all cylinders and actually hitting their shots. Like, they're unstoppable. This team has been phenomenal to watch, so much fun to watch. If you... Don't know if you're a really sad Broncos fan. This is the team that will pick you up off the ground and they will put you on their back. And Nikola Jokic will have a quiet 41, 15, and 15 game. And literally, like, it's all smiles over here, Broncos fans. Just let go of that team. It's the dark side. Come to basketball, it's much more fun. Those were just a couple of like the overall team stats that definitely stood out to me. But one of the other um, stats that I had noticed and wanted to talk about was just both Aaron Gordon. I asked Nicola after the game against Phoenix if, and who I should have asked was Aaron, but he got interrupted by Nicola. <laughs> Nicola basically just decides when people, like if he's waiting for Aaron Gordon's interview to end, so that he can do his interview and get home, then he will end Aaron Gordon's interview early so that he can speak, so that he can go home, because he's Nikola Jokic. Um, <laughs> he and Aaron Gordon right now are on a 23-game shooting streak. So they have, where they've shot over 50% in 23 straight games. There's only one active shooting streak that's better than that, and that is from... 
um, Nick Claxton. He has 25 games, right? So other than Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic, Nick Claxton has the longest active shooting streak over 50% from the field. They're both shooting really, really well. And I asked Nicole after the game if there was a better 4-5 combo in the league right now than Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. And he said what I should have guessed he would say, which was, I'm not sure, you know. Um, which is just speaks to how humble Nicola is as a person. Um, and, you know, I should have asked AG about it because AG, I think, would have given them their credit where credit's due. They're playing really great together. When both those guys are um, shooting this well, it has been hard to stop. When Aaron Gordon scores 28 or more points, the Nuggets are 3-0 and this season. So when he's going off like that, there's just no way you're going to stop him. Um, obviously, 41-15-15 has only been done three other by three two other people in NBA history. Uh, Oscar Robertson and James Harden. So Nicola is just already unstoppable. But when you add Aaron Gordon, who was a highlight reel, like in this game, you could not, I, I literally spoke about his dunk that he had earlier in the game. Um, it was an alley-oop and I thought that was the best dunk I had seen all season. Like, he had to reach so far back and doesn't even really, like, catch the ball. It's just, like, it hits his palm and he's slapping it into it. Like, there's volleyball. There's some hand-eye coordination. He got so high above the rim. Like, it was an incredible dunk. And it wasn't even his best dunk of the night. It was... An insane game. If you haven't watched the highlights from this game, you have to go back and check it. I literally was so high after this game, like so much energy and so excited for the Nuggets. And like, just, it was just such a fun game to watch. It was hard to go to bed that night. It was hard to actually go to bed. I think I went to bed at like 5 a.m. because I was like just running. Like, my mind was so excited for the Nuggets. I should have recorded this pod then, but hopefully, you guys are still getting just to how exciting and what this win kind of signified because it did put some separation between the Nuggets and a team who knocked them out of the playoffs recently, a team who was the best team in basketball during the regular season last year. So the Suns are not a team to take lightly, like a team that is no longer or has just fallen off this season. It's The Suns are a very good team. I think they'll have a similar situation to what um, the Warriors had. Last season, they are not very healthy this season. Obviously, that is probably because of how good they played last season for such a long period of time throughout the regular season. Um, They have some players, veteran players, that are not 100% and maybe who won't ever be 100% again, but they're still a very good team. They're a very deep team. Like, Shamit smoked the Nuggets from three tonight right? Like if things didn't go the Nuggets way on that end of the, like on the offensive side for them, if they didn't hit some of those shots, if they didn't play clutch defense, this could have ended differently. This game, it was a very competitive game. That's what gave it the 
playoff-like atmosphere because you know those are two of the best teams in the West right there. And the Suns had just lost to Memphis. Memphis had just lost to Denver. Um, so it, it's all a very close way, race in the in the West. I talked to Aaron Gordon before this game, before the Christmas game, and he guaranteed me a Nuggets win before the game. So I want to make sure we give him props. Like, not only did he guarantee me the win ahead of time, um, but then he went out there and put on a show on Christmas Day. Like, he has been a great, great number two to Jokic this season. And I think more than anything, like, he's given... Jamal and MPJ the space because he has played so well he's given them the space to take their time returning and we've gotten to see Jamal take his time and really work into his game and develop new parts of his game improve certain parts of his game so after the break we're going to talk about my Christmas presents to the Nuggets if I could gift each player one thing and I'm not going to do every player I'm just going to do the main guys but I also wanted to mention I did get to catch up with Tori Craig at the game um, against Phoenix and he said to me specifically after the game if Nikola Jokic were to turn it on 100% there would be no question about who the greatest player in the world is that if Nikola were to play his very best basketball and turn it on give his 100% that there would be no question if it was Giannis or anybody else, it would be Nikola Jokic. Two-time MVP Nikola Jokic. He's really begun his three-peat journey and conversation. Whether he likes it or not, the conversation has been sparked. All right, we're back. And we're going to do a segment where we talk about my Christmas gifts. If I could buy Christmas gifts for the Denver Nuggets, here's what I would buy them. And mostly it's metaphorical, y'all. So (laughs) it's a metaphor. It's a joke more than anything. Um, So everyone just breathe, you know. I I, I know for a fact that AG bought some of the the Nuggets players' Christmas gifts, but I don't know what he got them. But yeah, somebody told me that. So uh, I think I could share that here and and not be that big a deal. But if I got Nikola Jokic a Christmas gift, it would probably be a pair of noise-canceling headphones. Like the best pair you could find. I've never seen Nikola warm up with headphones in. Not AirPods, not Beats, nothing. KCP, he'll warm up with headphones on. Uh... Jamal sometimes warms up with headphones in. They usually seem like they're like AirPods. But yeah, Nicola, never. I would definitely get him a pair of noise-canceling headphones, mostly because I know he's going to be annoyed with this is he going to win a third MVP t- talk. This All this MVP chatter for a third year in a row, he was annoyed when it happened for a second year, and I genuinely did not think he was going to win it twice. Like Not because I didn't think he was capable of it. I just thought, you know... There's always a case for somebody, and because MVP can be so subjective, it's. I didn't think that everyone would get on board two years in a row, and boom. But a third year, 
Oh my god. I know he I could just see him being annoyed already with the questions. So um yeah. I'm getting him noise canceling headphones so he can ignore all the questions and pretend like he doesn't hear any of us. <laughs> if I got if I had to get or if I could get let's see, who should we do next? Bones. Bones. We've been meaning to talk about Bones for a minute here on the pod. I wanted to mention Bones. I want to talk about his last few games. If I could get him a Christmas gift, I'd get him a new winter coat because it is cold where he's at. <laughs> he's uh, he's on a cold streak. Yeah, he is not playing very well. He did not have a single bucket until the fourth quarter of the Phoenix game, which is just unheard of for Bones. Like That's what he does. He gets buckets. So... Yeah, it's definitely going to be a cold time for Bones. I'm sure he's uh, he seems upset. He seems like in the game before this game, uh, before Phoenix, Portland, um, he got pulled kind of early after going out there. He made a couple of mistakes, gets pulled, and he seemed upset on his way to the bench. Um, and I remember right before that game, we had asked Malone about the bench unit and kind of, working through some of the problems that they've been having and that he made a comment about guys getting upset when they are getting put on the bench, but they're also not following through with like the, some of the things that he's asking them to do on defense. So this should be a time for fresh perspective for bones. Really? Like he's a lethal scorer. He's always going to be a lethal scorer and he'll be able to get back to that. He just right now, because this team is so deep and everything, it kind of feels like, there's other options that could be out there instead of him. And I'm sure that that adds pressure to the situation. Um, but like Malone said in his post game, um, when asked about Bones' game, he just talked about how like Michael Porter Jr. had to kind of adjust and get demonstrate like that there were other ways he could contribute to the game on the floor. And there's some definite like deja vu vibes with deja vu vibes with bones like he seems to be doing some of the same things that mpj would do sometimes early on in his career where he's just standing around he's very moving very little right he starts in the corner and maybe he shuffles up to like i don't even know 45 degree angle and then shuffles back to the corner like he's not really engaging in the offense um and unless he has the ball in his hands and then he's shooting really early in the shot clock, not taking great, um, great shots. He did have a couple last game that I thought were good looks and like, I, I thought he should shoot it a couple, even in the lane and they just didn't fall for him. Um, but he can contribute more to his team and to the game. Um, than just by shooting, right? And even if he's not making every shot, other teams don't necessarily know that, don't necessarily know that he's not going to hit a shot. He's still a guy that you have to guard, right? So he can contribute by just his mere presence of engaging in the offense and looking like he's about to get the ball can then draw the defense off of where the ball is going to go. So, you know, it's a fresh perspective for Bones. It's something that'll be a little bit of like a learning period, time period, maybe um, 
I'm sure it's not comfortable. I'm sure it's uncomfortable, but that's when like growth happens is when you get uncomfortable. So I'm actually excited for Bones right now. Like, I don't think this is like the end of his career or anything. It's just a bump in the road that everybody goes through. Lots of players have this happen to them, especially in their second season. Um, So, and, and like Malone said, you know, it's good that he can work through it and that the team isn't losing games. Like, on account of Bones working through it. He's not such an important part of the offense that you need him to be scoring because you have Jamal and MPJ coming back. So you can rely, and Aaron Gordon playing really well, you can rely on other guys to contribute on offense. But that bench unit is looking really, really rough. So (laughs) really rough. Like, got to figure something out there. And, you know, Jamal actually played a lot of minutes in that Phoenix game with the bench unit. Um, and he did not start off well. He had no points in the first quarter. He had, I think, nine in the second quarter and then just two in the third quarter, and then he lit up in the fourth quarter, and we got a Murray flurry. So I'm definitely, if I'm giving Jamal a Christmas gift, I'm definitely getting him a spa day, like a day where he's getting a massage, he's getting treatment on his knee, he's getting to, like, relax, maybe... uh, some hot tub and cold tub. I don't know, but he like, that's what I would be giving him as a gift. He's his minutes have increased over the last several games. He played like a lot of minutes against Portland. I think it was like 38, 39. And then he had again, another high minute game against Phoenix. So he's just playing a lot. And I, I think like everyone's kind of waiting on, when are we going to see Jamal be the Jamal we saw in the bubble, the Jamal we saw before the injury? And there's definitely glimpses, right? You're getting fourth quarter glimpses. You're getting glimpses of what Jamal was before his knee injury. Um, But one thing I think people haven't thought about is just the fact that we could get a different Jamal um, after his injury. And I, And I think it would be weird if we didn't get a different Jamal, right? Because he's not the same guy. He's not the same guy because now he's been through something that's been really hard, mentally, physically difficult to overcome. So he's a tougher guy at the very least than he was before this injury, uh, mentally tougher. And I think that you're seeing that in his games. You're seeing, yeah, he didn't have any points in the first quarter, but he had, I think it was like five rebounds in the first quarter and several assists, three three assists. So he had other ways that he was contributing to the game. He still played a lot of minutes. He played with that backup um, bench unit a lot of minutes, and whether they were scoring or not, they actually had like a 24-shot clock uh, violation in one possession. Like I don't know if they just didn't know what was going on. Um, but there's still like growing pains there, but at least they're not turning the ball over. Um, there's still, I think Jamal is contributing a lot on defense. Like he's not shying away from any um, defensive matchups either, and he's taking on a role like of leadership in that second unit with Bones. There was a moment in the game where Bones was getting pretty heated against Phoenix. He was wanting a foul call. He came back and kind of committed a really stupid foul just because the ref didn't call it on his end, um, and then you know. It was just a couple of really bad possessions that <laughs> were a mess, really. And Phoenix was coming alive during that time. And 
Jamal kind of grabbed Bones and um, by his like head or behind his neck, you know, and like was like, come on, get it together, you know, like focus, like this is not a big deal, but it if you continue to behave this way, it could have led because it seemed like it was leading towards a technical. Um, cause then it, there was like three whistles back to back that involved bones and the referee kind of going back and forth. And so I, I think Jamal just needs some rest. You know, he probably needs family time. Um, that's what, Jamaican food he, that probably would make him feel a lot better and ready to go. But instead, he's on his way to Sacramento, so I'm sure he didn't get much of that. Hopefully, he got a little bit of the family time on the last couple of days. I know I saw his little brother um, and his parents were there for this Christmas Day game, and his brother is, like, changing a little bit because of his age and growing, and he looks just like Jamal. He looks like a mini Jamal. It's so funny. He even has his haircut kind of similarly. So I made sure to mention it to him after the game. It's like, dang, your brother is starting to look just like you. So that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. If I were to get Bruce Brown, let's do Bruce and then we'll do KZP and wrap up the pod. Bruce, if I was going to get Bruce a gift, I would. I just want to keep Bruce happy, you know? So I'd probably get him one of those like nine foot. It's the same thing I got my dad this year. Um, it's one of those like putting greens inside your house, you know. It's like nine feet long, and you can set it up and practice. And make sure your eyes are aligned with your shoulders. Yeah, I would definitely get Bruce that because Bruce has not. I actually did not like the way he played in the Phoenix game. I thought he could have played had a better game. Um, I think he has had a couple of bad defensive outings recently um and that probably has more to do with the fact that he's now playing with a whole different unit he's playing on the bench now that mpj is back and so um i just want to keep him happy i just think he's done he's done everything that coach malone has asked him to do he's contributed the ways that he is needed to for the team like he's doing a lot of things that maybe don't show up on the box score, but he still gets his 12 points or his 14 points and contributes to the team when they needed it. He got a clutch three against Phoenix when they needed it. Uh, so it's same with KCP. Like, I just want them to feel, like, gratitude. KCP um, shared a little bit in one of our videos that we did on denverstiffs.com. Go check it out at denverstiffs on TikTok, Instagram. Um, but... KCB talked about how his grandma sent him some custard pie for, for Christmas, and he's just such a like grateful person. Like he, he's so happy. He's giving Peyton Watson a hard time because he's hosting his first Christmas this year, and he's giving him a hard time about cooking and stuff. But um, both Bruce and KCP, like I got, I feel like I got nothing but gratitude for these guys. They're doing. I think the team has nothing but gratitude for them. They are. A key part of the defense, KCP has been so, so consistent. Like, Bruce, you're getting an indoor putting green, and KCP probably getting, like, a, I don't know, like a diamond necklace or something, like, right? Consistency. Diamonds are, like, consistent, right? I feel like KCP deserves that, like, shout-out because he has been really consistent, his numbers, throughout the season. The one game he didn't play good was <laughs> in L.A., and that's, like, kind of interesting to me. So I'm going to keep an eye on that moving forward. How come LA? But 
other than that, you're getting the same amount of points, the same rebounds, the same assists every single game. Um, and he's consistently getting the defensive player of the game from Michael Malone as well. So you know that he's contributing on defense and he's taking on big defensive assignments. Just want to make sure he stays healthy. Like he did have a knee to knee injury recently that took him out of the game for a minute and then he came back in. Uh, I thought he wasn't going to be, I thought it was questionable to return because it just looked really like direct knee to knee painful. Um, and he came back in the game and played. So super grateful for both Bruce and KCP. And for the last last guy on the team, I guess would be MPJ. I put him down as DJ Moon. I'm just going to call him DJ Moon from forever, for forever now. He said his dad gave him that nickname, Moon, um, that his dad was a DJ when he was a kid and so that he has music runs in his family. Uh, he said yeah, that's not necessarily one of his talents, which... Um, MPJ, I think you got some other talents. Like, probably got some of the other talents that your family has going on. Lot, very talented family. His sister's a really incredible photographer. Obviously, MPJ is an incredible shooter and basketball player. And uh, he said some of his siblings are good musicians as well, but that his dad was a DJ and that he got his nickname Moon from his dad. So DJ Moon, I just think that's so funny. Maybe I'd get him, like... I don't know, something that said DJ Moon on it <laughs> or something. But um, MPJ didn't have a great game against Phoenix. He did have a great game uh, against Portland. He came back against Portland, um, played very, very well, came out, looked looked good, tried to get him. The team tries to get MPJ going early, um, tried to get him several looks early. And even in the first, uh, I think in the Phoenix game, Aaron Gordon gets the jump ball, comes down the court, and he starts going to the right side of the court. And MPJ is set up on the left block by the Phoenix bench. And Jamal's like trying to push push Aaron to the left, and he ends up going right. And then they reset and try to go left, but MPJ doesn't get that first look, and um, it kind of was just a good indicator of where his game was going to go for the night because it ended up being a lot more Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic in the first quarter. And then he didn't get very many touches. Um, I thought he did look a little bit disconnected from the offense in that Phoenix game. Um, but he still contributed. Like he still, he was on the floor several times diving on the floor for loose balls. He got a steal that there was a steal that he got, um, right in front of the Nuggets bench after Phoenix gets a defensive rebound, and instead of just you know turning his back and running back on defense, he contests it. He tries to get a hand in there, and he, he, he's got a good long reach, right? So he pokes it out, grabs the ball, and that might have been one of the loudest moments in the arena during that Phoenix game. Like, no cap, that might have been one of the loudest moments. I remember feeling like the roar that came after that he did that I remember in that moment thinking, wow, that was louder than I thought it was going to be. But it was a huge play for him, and it was definitely an important play kind of down the stretch in that fourth quarter when it was a very close game. Ends up going to overtime anyways, and they get it done in OT. But he didn't. Michael Malone didn't have to have MPJ in the game during that time. There's been a lot of games. We have learned the hard way the, that... 
even if we want him to be in the game, if Malone does not trust MPJ's defense, he will not be in the game. And he was in that game in moments when Malone could have gone to Bruce. Malone did go to Bruce in certain moments and, and subbed MPJ out and then back in for the offensive side. But I I still think it's like a, a step in the right direction. It's a step. It's different than it was before. It doesn't feel the same where he would have been immediately subbed out and, you know, not even out there. And he played a tough game against Chris Paul um, and Phoenix, even though he didn't have any points um, for, I think, until the fourth quarter as well. Maybe the third quarter he got his first bucket. But um, he played a good game on the defensive end, and I, you got to give him credit for that. DJ Moon, way to go. <laughs> Anyways... Thanks for listening, guys, to this week's episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. We'll be back after these two games against Sacramento. Not Probably not the Nuggets' favorite way to celebrate the next couple days after Christmas, but at least they're in one place, right? So they'll get to stay there for a couple days in a row. And hopefully get a couple more wins. <laughs>